knocking into the soil and the earth, breaking through the rocks, growing wild and tall till the buds begin to pop. Hey, this is Ryan Heron from Portland, Oregon. And I'm Amanda Breeze in Toronto. And we're here today to talk about all of the fun stuff from one of our favorite plants, cannabis. So if you're a big scent or plant nerd like you are, or like we are, um, you know, you're in the right place. Let's, let's get into it. Yes. Um, hey, Amanda, what are you getting into today? I'm actually, I'm, I'm holding a little spliff right now. I have some uh, fresh harvest from this year. Um, and, you know, in, in true stoner fashion, um, the two bags that I brought home with me were completely unlabeled. So mm, yes, you should just know by by your nose at this point. This is true. It's going to be fruity. It's going to be floral. Um, I think one of them is like a, a silver goo because it has a very distinct, uh, sort of like a pinstriping on the stalks, like a purple and green Love pinstripe. That. that was like a signature characteristic of all of our silver goo this year. Um, so I suspect one of them is that, but the other one is just, I don't know, it, it looks like a bunch of grapes. They're just like juicy round nugs in this bag and it caught my eye and... I just brought it home. So it's still technically curing, but I went for it and uh, I am, I do not regret it. How about yourself? <laughs> yes. Uh, you know what? I, I should have brought some of my um, homegrown onto the, uh, the cast, although it was uh, just some auto flowers. I like threw out on my back deck. And it's funny, if you've been listening since the beginning of the podcast, uh, in one of the first episodes, I'm like, yeah, I got a couple of males out there. I'm going to let them see the ladies. And, you know, like, I'm sure I'll get a couple of branches. And and uh, it's it's fun to see just how much of these autos got seeded from just having the males out there. Not even for that long, but, you know, like in, in the right time period. Um, so the cool thing is, that this weed is not very fun to smoke anyway. It's, it was just, you know, didn't get a lot of love. It's sitting out here in the Pacific Northwest on my back porch. Uh, I did get some great grape juice, grape soda scents out of it. So it was really fun to grow. Um, but now what I have is like a little film canister, halfway full of seeds at this point that I can distribute to friends and pop next year and just have fun with it. So it's been a cool project. That's awesome. So Santa's giving everyone seeds this year. <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> but that's actually great. I mean, the nice thing about seeded weed for me, like you're not really going to smoke it unless you have the patience to pull out the seeds, which sometimes I do. Um, but I love using those nugs for edibles and oils. And it's like, they're great in butter. Like you can still totally make so much out of uh, some homegrown that's kind of meh and turn it into something really fantastic. Definitely. And you know what? I think that's like the perfect reason if you're going to grow your own plants. Like I, I'm talking about me in my backyard here under less than perfect circumstances. Um, if you still want to grow, like, great, do that. And just don't expect that this is going to be the like QP that you're sitting on and burning through these next few months. Like I, I was even talking to the bud tenders lately and they're like, yeah, things do kind of drop off in October uh, when everyone gets like a bag of homegrown from their neighbor. 
And then everyone realizes like, this is not what I want to be smoking all the time. Like, let's leave it to the pros. And then, you know, they start showing back up at the dispensaries. That's exactly it. You know, I, I taught a class this weekend. It's, it's a full, full day, six hour, hands-on, make your own products class. And we go from oh, yeah. start, like what is a weed into uh, advanced formulations. So it's really jam-packed. And this class was awesome because it was all beginners. So it was really funny because even explaining fan leaves ended up taking like 45 minutes. You know, they're just <laughs> some things that I forget. Like, you know, they were like, but what do you do with them? And it was funny because the fan leaf is the most distinguished part of the cannabis plant. Like when you think of weed or when you see graphics, it's the fan leaf is so infamous. And they were like, but we don't actually make things with the fan leaf. And I was like, well, no, I, there are some things I did give them some exceptions um, of ways you could use a fan leaf, but really mm -hmm. it's, it's not so much, but anyway, some people brought in uh, one of the participants brought in some homegrown. And so part of the class is we take little microscopes and we look at some samples that I bring um, from the farm and from the legal industry, I have some jars that I bring, just like a selection of stuff that we can really look at under the microscope and see all the trichomes. And so um, we did like a nice little comparison to some of their homegrown, which didn't have a very robust trichome density. Um, you know, the trichomes themselves weren't super healthy and weren't the trichomes we wanted, you know, the nice mushroom shaped bulbous ones. So it was really cool to actually have some other weed and I could tell um, they were maybe a little bit sad that their weed, like, it was their first time growing. And I just kept saying, listen, this is year one. And then this other sample is like year 30. Like, it takes time to get to what took 30 years for this person to learn to do well. Um, so, yeah, but I, same thing. I was like, this is perfect for making holiday cookies, for making some um, gifts for your family, some bath stuff, you know, so like. Even if it looks kind of swaggy, it's still so worth keeping and making something out of. Absolutely. And like, you know, you're concentrating those cannabinoids. So you're going to get a more potent effect, right? When you're making a butter or, or any of those things, right? RSO. Um, but if I'm, I'm getting a lot of ads in my podcast now for something called dad grass, which is essentially like CBD herb that they're giving like a fun blue dream name and selling it uh nationwide to anybody whose states will like allow you to ship hemp right um and then this is essentially like low incredibly low thc herb mostly cbd herb that you can roll up or pack into a bowl or and smoke and just not get that high right apparently that's a, a desirable thing maybe not for our audience but for others and hey, if you have some one year homegrown and you took the time to trim it up really nicely and you want to smoke that like, great as long as it's not like hurting your throat or your lungs or anything then like enjoy the fruits of your labor exactly that's exactly it so well that's pretty cool so you got a nice little harvest and what you're gonna pick out the seeds and you're gonna keep smoking it like what's your plan with your no um... i probably won't smoke it i smoked a couple like for science i'm like okay this is the the plants that were not seeded. Let me smoke those. Uh, okay. This is the plant that was seeded that smelled the best. Let me like pick through that and get into it. Uh, so oh, it's all right. Um, so at this point, I'm, it's hanging in my a little coolie 
area tent of the garage, just chilling, waiting for me to um, pick the rest of the seeds out. That's actually, so uh, in previous episodes as well, I mentioned the plague of males that I had this year in my mm, yes. yard, my little Toronto grow spot. And, um, you know, because only one was female and because I, I work where there's other plants, I kind of completely forgot about the one that was in their backyard and it and it got a little PM, it got a little cold. And I kept saying, I'll, I'll come over and harvest it. And I, I kept forgetting and like, it just became a forgotten thing. Literally this week, my little brother who, who was taking care of it for me, sort of was like, uh, Hey, I forgot about that plant in the basement. And I'm like, what plant in the basement? And I guess at some point right before it snowed, he took this like sad Charlie Brown Christmas tree down and hung it in my parents' basement. And so it's just been sitting there next to the furnace, <laughs> I'm sure, just dried to a crisp. Um, and I have to go, I have to go assess that situation. Um Maybe I'll post some sad pics. You know, people always post their success stories, you know, on social media. It's just the world they want you to see. Maybe I should be yes. like, no, this is what this looks like now, you know? Yeah, I think um, uh, hashtag zeros of the farm has been way too fun to follow. It'll just be like a whole room covered in the worst spider mites you've ever seen. It's like, how did this ever happen? Uh so yeah, hey, I mean, you gotta celebrate these failures too because that's how you get those successes, right? I promise you during that 30 years, there were some hard, expensive lessons learned. That's the thing, you know? Right, it takes hey, a- that's what time. makes good weed, right? What is the the French saying? Um, the toughest weather makes the best wine or like the cruelty the, to the grapes makes the best wine? Now I have to look this up. Okay, um, cannabis cruelty. <laughs> though really it was uh i should be reported for plant abuse <laughs> i'm i'm thankful that's not a thing because oh man plants plants get it pretty hard you know any of my neighbors that were growing males deserve to be uh <laughs> uh you know what i'm i'm back here in this corner of the forest of portland here um, as far as I can tell, none of my other neighbors had uh, had any plants, and I did remove them before things got too wild. And uh, hey, just just call one eight hundred got seeds if uh, if your beautiful sense Amelia was fucked up this year by by somebody like me having fun on their back porch. You know, it happens to the best. Seeds happen, and I I think it's kind of wild because I've been talking to a few indoor growers lately who have never tried growing outdoors and the fear Mm. of seeds, but more so the fear of bugs is one of the most common questions I get about Mm -hmm. outdoor is people are like, but what about all the bugs and pests? And the thing is, there's not that many. I've seen more pest incidents happen in the indoor parts of it like the drying room or a little you know grow room that you have like a 10 by 10 in your basement like those are the times where i hear the most about my issues and and things like that of course outdoor you know pm but i've seen way more powder mildew in people's little rooms that didn't have Uh. successful ventilation 
Yeah, absolutely. Or or have like maybe not a proper air gap between their grow space and an outdoor wall. And like, let's be real, like even brick or whatever can transfer a lot of stuff just just by, you know, being exposed to the elements on the other side. Um, yeah. And, you know, indoor are these like massive absolute monocultures where you are trying to dial in the uh, conditions to be perfect. And so that's why those could also be perfect for a certain kind of mildew or they could also be uh, perfect for a certain kind of thrift to reproduce. Um, and without having that, those other like, you know, without having a, an ecosystem that can kind of keep itself in balance, you know, you're just open yourself up to the whole room being ruined and then eradicating whatever that was from that room, like good luck to you, right? Because if it has absolutely taken over a space, uh, are you really going to get every little spore of mold out of there? Like it's almost impossible, even with all the like bleach foams that you could flood a room with. Yeah. And so I, I always think it's really funny when people post pictures online of like a nug with like a bug they found in it um, because like it happens so like a bee, you know, like I've, I've harvested for years. Every year you find a bee or two that got stuck and died in some sticky icky, but like yeah. it's finding a bee, finding an ant, you know, on, on the farm, we have chickens. Sometimes you find some chicken feathers, like, it's not the end of the world. It's really not that big of a deal. And the seed thing, I think that's really the 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 safest way to go is of course indoor if you don't want seeds. But the chances of your whole crop being ruined are are actually quite slim unless you're really really close to those male plants. So, it's just interesting. I mean, plus we've talked about this before, but outdoor really enhances the terpenes, the profile. Um, I know sometimes it's a little leafier. It's not, a, you just trim it out. Like the terpenes alone are worth the sun grown, uh, the effort it takes to, you know, do the whole outdoor thing. So I'm like, I'm a big outdoor girl and I kind of think I always will be. I haven't been brought to the indoor, but I've been seeing people who are hardcore indoor fans slowly shifting and seeing the the sunlight and moving towards outdoor these days. So I've yeah, been seeing yeah. a little bit well, of that. Right now, right in this moment right here that we're recording this, it's probably going to come out in a couple of weeks, uh, is the perfect time to be buying outdoor wheat because it was recently harvested. Um, the stuff that's hitting the market is likely some of the best because that's what's being chosen to, to hit the shelves. Um, the farmers are really stoked uh, about you know, specific plants or specific uh, harvest or how, how things are turning out. Um, and also, at least if you're here in Oregon, because of the glut on the market, it's also relatively inexpensive. So you're getting incredible value for this sun-grown herb. And I'm, I'm just going to say like certain profiles like Skittles, um, absolutely, I would say objectively smell better. You get more of that like full, pardon the pun, rainbow of flavors um, under under the sun. Um, so go for it. Now's the time. Exactly. And not to mention that the future of cannabis, the cannabis sommelier profession, the future of designating appellations for aromatics and flavor relies on outdoor environments. So when we think of the future of flavor and the future of cannabis, 
it's not going to be happening inside greenhouses as much as it's going to be happening under the sun, in the fresh air, in the soil. So making that move now and discovering those flavors and the potential terroir of certain things is going to be huge. Um, I've been thinking a lot about it. Every few months I get back on this whole terroir thing. You know, I sure. things come in waves and I'm back into it again. Um, thinking a lot about Niagara region, which is in Ontario, Niagara Falls. Um, Niagara region is so famous for its wine. Um, similar to like a Sonoma, right? So we have these regions that are well known for their terroir and the fruits that they grow. And I've been thinking again so much about Niagara and, you know, this is a good reminder that now is a good time to try some outdoor grows from that region. I think I'm going to make a point in the next couple of weeks to hunt down some really nice organic outdoor from the Niagara region and just do a little aromatic exploration, some flavor exploration and um, and see what's coming out of this area that's known for its regional flavor. Because this is harvest season. It's I think that's a great year. idea. Yeah spread it kind of far and wide try and like compare terroirs and if you can find blue dream from either of these something you're well familiar with i would love to to hear you pick apart the nuance of the these different terroirs <laughs> i know we'll probably pick apart the the fakeness of the blue dream strains just maybe <laughs> one of these days I'll, I'll find it you know but in not yet nothing tastes like uh nothing tastes like ocean grown it's just not the same man i believe it um yeah. So yeah, uh, you know, speaking of kind of like OGs, like uh, I was getting into some dog walker before this, which is always a favorite of mine. Um, really funky, nice. Uh, got that like OG gas to it, but with like a nice wallop of funk. Okay, I love that you're smoking dog walker OG because um, I was thinking today about seasonal strains. And okay. I was trying to come up with strains that I would consider festive. I'm not really a big holiday person, but it is the holiday season and it's happening whether we like it or not. Um, so I was trying to, yeah, come up with some what I would consider festive strains. And uh, last year we grew a strain called um, Snow Dog. Ooh, nice. And it was um, surprisingly citrusy, and it's a, a it's sometimes called super snow dog as well. We just called it snow dog, um, but I think it's a cat from the chem dog family. So I was wondering if your dog walker was like uh, obviously from the dog family. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Albert Walker OG uh, by Chem Four, I believe. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's just always been a favorite. You know, it's got that like kind of Christmas tree pininess, like first things first, right? And then it's just like you went to the forest and dug a deep hole until you were like, okay, it's deep enough. And that's what this whole thing like smells like. It's like that that kind of like rotting earth, like foresty soil. Um funk so it's good see so i i put it on like an end of fall kind of spectrum right and so that's why i feel like this snow dog with like an added little whatever is probably like a nice fit 
Yes, exactly. Okay, and it is cheesy snow, snow dog, winter, winter flavors. But like, we're talking about weed here. So we got to get a little bit creative trying to find these like fruits of the season, you know? Um, so today we are going to be talking about seasonal aromatics. We're going to be talking about um, smells of winter. And maybe we could take a quick break and get right back into it. Yeah, I like it. Let's do it, and uh, we'll come back and have all the fun info for you. winter is a really unique aromatic season and when you think of smells I know it's easy to jump to spring um you know flowers are blooming wet earth but I think winter is maybe more potent than that uh it's just it's a for me it's a combination okay I got a little too blazed during this so we're gonna I hope all you (laughs) listeners are just hanging in there with me Yes. Oh, they are. (laughs) It's a combination of the absence of smell outdoors with the blast of smell indoors. And it's this cold and warm contrast, but working together. Um, And so interestingly, Terpenes and smell molecules obey the laws of temperature, obey the laws of gravity. And so the smell of snow is in a lot of ways the absence of smell because smell molecules will actually like freeze in place. And so after a heavy snowfall, the earth will actually smell like nothing. It can be like a completely blank canvas. I, I love this. So, you know, we, we've talked about the smell of rain, I think, a couple of times because it comes up. It's it's kind of like also present in cannabis a little bit. So we were talking about what other scents we wanted to explore. Um, cold and snow and winter came up and it's like, oh, yeah, we have to explore that. Right. Because it, it is really interesting. And just in the way that kind of um, humidity can contribute to scents hanging in the air. Right. This these sort of like aerosolized isoprenes and terpenes are hanging in the air. They connect with these water molecules and they kind of just like hang out in our atmosphere. So we're constantly getting these scents. Um, just, just walking through, like let, let's bring up forest bathing again, just walking through the forest, experiencing those scents. You're right in the winter, snow especially comes and knocks all of those down right? It's like you said, like, it's like gravity has been turned up for these scents. And so you can step out into like, especially that freshly fallen snow. It's got its own unique scent to it. Um, and, and that's a big major component of it is just the absence of all of these like aerosolized, like terpenes and isoprenes that we normally have present are just gone. Exactly. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. And It's interesting because when everything is cold outside, it means that nothing is growing and nothing is dying. So smells that you would find in other seasons just cease completely. 
And so this neutralizing of aromatics, I think, causes your indoor smells to become more dynamic, um, as well as the few living things that are still outside, which is the evergreen family. Because those are the only ones that are still growing and still producing aromatics. So that's why I'm thinking like when you think winter smells, it's like pining family, cedars, pines. I think Douglas firs are like, you know, and, and you bring these evergreens into your home. You're making wreaths. You're hanging a Christmas tree, a holiday tree, um, yes. and so bringing these pine aromatics in. And that's intensifying the pines of the season as well. Um, and in, in aromatherapy, the evergreen family is known for energetically as a community aromatic. Um, mm -hmm. It gives you a sense of belonging. So I think that's actually quite accurate for the season as well. Like this bringing together, this sense of belonging is, is very holiday vibes. Oh yeah. I'm with you too. And like, when else are you bringing in that much like pining and additional limonene even into your homes? Right. And uh, it's fun. So, you know, this has been on our topic sheet for a week or two. I've kind of been thinking about it in the background and not once did I even consider uh, the sense inside because I'm thinking so much about uh, snow and ice and, and just being out in the forest during the winter and how different that is. Um, and even like temperature wise, what's happening with smell molecules. Damn, I didn't even think about all of these, like the, the chai that I'm gonna make later or like mold spice wines or whatever. And yeah, those have these traditional warming spices that we call them clove, cinnamon, allspice that contribute to that sort of like homey feeling, right? Uh, exactly. All of the Christmas candles that you can buy for like commercial, just whatever, Bed Bath and Beyond, um, have those sort of like mold, spice, wine scents because that's what people associate with the holidays. And that's to me like this, the contrasting smells because that's the warm aromatics and inside our nice toasty places we have these things happening and you're baking and you're thinking of gingerbread the chai um mold scents i hadn't even thought of that one yeah like some nice citrus coming through some nice cinnamon um people love doing the uh over on your stove right you're throwing in some sticks of cinnamon and some orange peels and just letting it's like one of those seasons where, where people literally do that to make their houses smell better. And that's kind of ties into all of these aromatics of winter. Yeah. When um, Trader Joe's truly had two buck Chuck and I would just go grab like a cheap bottle of Merlot and grab whatever like expired citrus was in the fruit bowl and dump just like the cheapest cinnamon on it. And my house would smell amazing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's fun. I'm so glad you like brought up the like kind of dichotomy of like stepping out from this like pine scented spiced wine, a uh, glass of bourbon in your hand, scent sphere you've created of your house and like kind of walking out to the nothingness of outside. Um, now we, we have a little bit more of a, like a, a standard winter experience, me being in Oregon, you being, you know, even north of where I'm at. Um, so if you're in Central or South America and your, your winter scents are not in line with ours, like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I want to hear your experience too. Like, 
get on over to Instagram and tell us like what your Christmas smells like. Right. And you know, that's the other piece for me that makes winter aromatics unique compared to other seasons is this whole science behind scent and memory and mm. how, um, when, for me, when I think holiday smells, um, it's, I can think of smells, but I also, it's an emotion. I get like an emotional response to thinking about the smells and it's because they're all so deeply tied to like our personal experiences and our personal histories. And so even if you have like bad holiday times, there's still going to be these emotions tied to it. And that's also going to influence your feeling towards these smells. So there's like this whole physiological aspect between the sensory experience of winter and how we experience them and which smells we prefer. And it really goes into that whole science of smell that I find very interesting. Oh yeah. And, and these scents are so loaded, right? Like, I mean, for me growing up in uh, Northern Michigan, winter was like four months out of the year. So, you know, I got the holidays, I got the shoveling snow, I got the being out in the woods. And then I got that, this long extended melty muddy thing going on. Right. Which is oftentimes like slowing spring down, like here out in Oregon, I'm getting those flowers and in February, sometimes I'm, I'm lucky to go catch some honeysuckle or something. And so, you know, I've kind of like extended my like uh, amount of time that I can get my nose and some flowers out here. But out there back in Michigan, it was way more of that, like, oh, okay, it snowed again. Um, speaking of memory, I have right here um, a, uh, a scent from CB I Hate Perfume, which is a, one of the places I go to to find these kind of like unconventional scents. Um, and this is winter 72, which is a lot of fun because I keep saying that today. But scents are fun. And if you can't uh, admit that to yourself, hey, you're in the wrong place. Um, scents are so, fun, Ryan. I agree. <laughs> right. And this one, especially so because it's supposed to be, smell like untouched, new fallen snow, hand knit woolen mittens, and a hint of frozen forest and sleeping earth. Right. This is, you know, it's perfume. So it's very poetic. Um, but this one really stands out in all my collection because it kind of nails that absence of smell while still hitting like wool and forest. And I was even comparing before we got on here today. Um, I, I'm like, this almost smells icy in a way. And I'm not quite sure where you get that accord or that synthetic or where you where CB, uh, Christian, whatever his name is, has found this. Um, but I was literally smelling an ice cube from my freezer before this being like, damn, how did he do that? You know, it's got a real cooling cold to to your nose type of scent without offering any of that mint or um, those types of notes that we traditionally associate with cold scents. Mind blown. Yes, I, I'm going to get you some of this because it is mind blowing. Yeah. That is a real, cause you were saying cool. And my mind was like, okay, so maybe like a menthol, you know, I was thinking like, what's a cold scent. And of course, yeah, menthol comes to mind. And uh, as a terpene, it's actually one of the solids, which makes it kind of unique. Um, but the absence of the mint with the cooling 
sense, oh, not and so much like that's... wool and forest. It's it's really wild. And I mean, um, you know, the best we can do is just kind of break this down and, and talk about what it smells like. And we've done that. So now I could offer like go track some of this down. If you uh, if you don't want to buy a full bottle, it is rather expensive. I didn't. I just bought samples. Um, there are a lot of people on eBay who will kind of like dram these out for you into like little milliliter samples. Um, so that's kind of nice because you can find someone who has like a pretty resourceful library and say, oh, can I have some of this, some of that, some of this, whatever. And then, you know, 50 bucks later, you've got like a bunch of new stuff to smell. Oh, I like that. Yeah, for the purposes of a scent library, uh, not just for wearing. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've tried to wear this one through. Um, I've had this sample for uh, a couple of years now, and it's it's even changed a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, it the absence of a scent does not make a very good cologne, I'll say. You know, for me, what stands out is your description of it um, being so vivid, like these like wool mittens and this this icy aromatic. I so look forward to the day. This is how we describe cannabis strains, because I would love to recommend a strain that the difference is it can feel like it. Something that makes you feel like you're in a warm woolen mitten. You know, that to me is like a, a holiday uh, moment. <laughs> Yes. I mean, it, it really is. Right. And even for those who have like uh, neutral or negative feelings around the holidays, I do feel like the first time you experience snow is exciting no matter who you are. Right. And seeing that on like my daughter's face a couple of years ago when um, we we took her to a, an actual like we took her to Michigan where it wasn't just like, oh, hey, there's a little snow in the air. It was like there's six feet of snow like go wild right it was very exciting to to just see that look on on their face and so uh you know kind of reliving that through digging into some of these like scents and memories is, is fun i love that i you know i don't have any children but i did take my puppy to see snow one time um she she was a california baby and it was it was very cute <laughs> you know what I'm a dad over here, and that's just as good. You get a puppy in the snow. Come on, I could, I could just watch that for like 45 minutes. It was really precious. I made her a scarf and everything. You know, it was just one night out, but we did drive to the top of the mountain for her to see snow. And, um, you know, that was really, that was really cool. And like you were saying, like I, I live in Toronto. Toronto is not a pleasant winter place. We get the sludge. We get the brown mm -hmm. snow in the city, you know, right when it snows, it's like a white holiday land. And then within like 10 minutes, it's like grimy and then it never melts. Like it takes so long to melt because of all the pollution. So I think it would be really nice to take like a, a headspace vial and go up to the top of, um, you know, a nice remote place with a fresh snowfall and actually capture the nothingness and really get yeah. to remember the feeling. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and the forest would be the place to do that because, um, you know, we, we know that uh, as humans, we produce a ton of pollution. That's just like, you know, a, a sad factor of, of what's going on. Um, the good thing is at this moment in time, plants far outweigh the amount of uh, pollution we produce just with the scents and volatiles and aromas that they produce. And that's great because out in the forest, you uh, 
the pollution is being kind of like canceled out by these floating hydrocarbons that will attach to the pollution, weigh it down, bring it down to the earth, and then we have less of those to deal with. So the cool thing is that um, we don't think about plants creating more volatiles than all of the factories and cars out there, but at this moment, they, they actually do, right? Um, so, and I think that that's also one of the reasons winter is, is so cool is because you are walking out into like a whole wall of sense. Like in a lot of ways, we just kind of like take these very light kind of like rubbery sense of plants that is just like a standard plant smell. And we just don't even think about it because we're constantly exposed to it. Um, and so when that is gone or it's like putting on no noise canceling headphones in a way, it's like really easy to pick those out, especially when you're like getting your nose right up in it. That's really, really a good example. That's, that sounds amazing. You just took me there with you. I'm like, I'm ready to go on a hike. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're not going on a hike, um, you know, I'm, I'm reading more about, so I'm trying to dig into the perfume of like winter smells and everything. And we typically try and do the, um, the house scent thing on our bodies, right? Ambers and musks and these like deep, rich scents, right? Um, and uh, I, I think that that's kind of like a, a throwback to when we would have like more fur on and stuff and like, like shower less. And you're just a little more like primal in these winter months. And um, I think like accentuating that is a good way to, to dig into it, like plus up those pheromones a little bit. Ooh, that's interesting. That is really interesting. I'm going to have to um, come up with like a new perfume. I have been, I suppose. I never really thought about it like that, but I have been more attracted to some more of the patchoulis. I don't wear mm -hmm. patchouli. Full disclaimer, I'm not walking around smelling like patchouli. All right, I don't want any rumors <laughs> starting in Portland. Um, I feel I like there was a time though. There was maybe a time <laughs> when if you went and shook a man's hand, you might catch a whiff of some kind of incense leaning. I don't know. That is 100% true. I will not say that. Um, X, X rainbow here. Um, so yeah, for sure. But I have those types of aromatics. We actually have a really nice patchouli at the essential oil shop I work at. And it is so amber rich and this deep sweetness that I often put one or two drops in things I'm making. And this week I was pouring it and well, cause you know, I, People are ordering essential oils. I'm, I'm filling orders. And so, of course, we're getting the classics in everyone wants them. So, like, uh, Nature Identical Wintergreen is huge. Not one of my favorites, personally. It reminds me too much of gum, more so than nature. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so that's my scent memory, uh, you know, going in overdrive a little bit. But, uh, of course, frankincense is another mm -hmm. one that's also like a resinous deep but also very tied to a ton of religions this time of year and different religious festivities and uh what's the other one a little bit of patchouli winter green spearmint also not a huge huge fan but i love the cedars the himalayan cedar um atlas cedar cedar wood um and those types of deep ones have also been surprisingly popular not surprisingly popular 
Um, you know, I love anything that leans into the, the a smoky smell, right? Anything that is kind of like burnt match or like a lit bonfire. Um, there is a, oh, God, it, it's called, I think, firewood. There's a candle that I buy every year. Um, it, it's called bonfire. I think it's by Illume. And I just get the little tiny two ounce. Um, but it has like the most perfect bonfire scent that is uh, like juniper and burnt match and a little bit of uh, like cedar and some other assorted woods. And so I have a fireplace in my house. It's too much of a pain in the ass to like actually get a fire going in there. I have a dog bed in there. My dog sleeps in my fireplace right now. So when I want to elicit that like burning candle type thing or burning fire, set my little candle going, I get my like Netflix fire going and hey, look, it's not perfect. But if I'm doing some work from home and I've got that smell and I've got a little crackling fire in the background and I've warmed up a little cup of tea or something, I mean, that's pretty nice. That puts me in the space. And let's be real, like the scent is doing a lot of the heavy lifting there. Of course. And winter scents are about cozy cabin vibes. Um, I was thinking, you know, probably uh, is it Chinese cedarwood? Chinese cedarwood is one that is that exactly what you were describing, that burnt um, firewood energetic. Um, and yes. it's- resinous so even a couple drops in a diffuser is gonna set that tone um i also like to make a diffuser blend using uh, like a chai tea blend so like a ginger cardamom um pepper cinnamon leaf clove bud like a nice little medley of those in a diffuser just some really good quality essential oils is just gonna bring you into the cozies and peppermint which Classic holiday aroma, candy canes, um, mm-hmm. peppermint tea uh, is like, you see peppermint, little peppermint candies. It's very winter. Peppermint's another classic example of cooling and warming aromatics. Because when you think peppermint tea, mm, warm, cozy, not just because it's hot, but it's like, but it gives off that cool energy as well. So that's a nice, and ginger, ginger is another cold, hot smell, flavor, energy where you're getting the warming with that cooling sensation and that is so winter in a nutshell yeah it really is and you know it is kind of interesting the more we kind of dig into this that we see these um scent notes being able to be presented as something that is both warm and cold like even like mint like a peppermint tea like you said like that's that's got a lot of uh, character. It's really something that is going to draw your attention. Um, But even the inverse of that mint ice cream, I think when you get like a really nice mint chocolate chip that actually tastes like real mint or whatever, it's very um, nice on the palate and you like it because of like how cooling it is. Um, So yeah, it's it's interesting that uh, the scents that we associate with winter are oftentimes doing pulling double duty Mm, duality Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh you know and if you need something that um i've been smoking uh orchata and orchata crosses lately that have a really nice snickerdoodle cinnamon thing going on yeah i don't want to say 
it's like cinnamon, you know, it's not, not in the way that we're talking about these warming spices, but it does have like a nice, like I said, snickerdoodle thing going on. Okay, wait a second. Did you just say horchata dominant yes. horchata strains? Yes. What? Oh yeah, yeah. We we gotta uh, you know find a way to get you some of these, but uh, yeah, it's it's been very nice. Uh, horchata for the most part seems to mostly exist in crosses now, so I just had like a horchata runs that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I think we're seeing more of these kind of like spicy profiles um, show up and hit shelves uh, because you know if you're if you've been smoking cookies for the last like 10 years, like I'm a little tired of that gelato cookies profile. I mean, I just bought something called franchise tag earlier this week. Um, heavy gelato scents, uh, real, real strong cookie backbone. Um, it was really nice. And the bag appeal was off the charts and I was a little bored by it, which is total snob spoiled guy over here. But at the same time, like I'm ready for these kind of melon scents and cinnamon scents and bring me something that smells like spiced wine at this point. I can honestly say I have not seen anything in the spice category. Oof, oof. I am racking my brain right now of thinking of anything that I've seen that it sounds anything like that. And I cannot think of a single one. Uh, it, that's, it is tough, right? Because it is such an outlier. It's how I feel about like uh, the root beer profile. It's it's rare to find, sometimes you get these kind of cola things. Um, mean Gene from Mendocino here has a, a really tightly held root beer cut. Um, and And when you get a really good version of it, it's like, damn sarsaparilla sweetness sugar caramel like it's all there um and so it's it's one of those hard to find profiles that's like you luck out when you stumble into it wow you're really giving me some weed homework today because now i have uh, (laughs) have to go get some niagara sun grown and then i gotta go find some spicy nutmeg seasonal flavors like i'm seeing seasonal products but they're not related to flavor profiles whatsoever they're just season they're freaking advent calendars which i actually think is fun i'm not yeah shitting yeah on yeah those are really fun <laughs> yeah especially the ones that are full of hash i mean it if you have not followed the like hash event calendar guy or whatever go do that such a fun thing such an exciting thing to get into uh yeah i i have not signed up for any of these things just mostly because like come on they're really expensive and i have a hard time being like okay i just bought myself eight grams of hash for christmas but it's for it's mostly for me and what did you want family you know uh but i love that people are doing those kinds of things yes price point is definitely a deterrent on the advent calendars unfortunately um but i have been seeing some really fun gift guides and i am i am not a consumer i really am like a buy nothing person i like to diy stuff i i really don't like consumer holidays but i will admit i do like seeing gift guides and just (laughs) scrolling through them i like all these things because i feel like everyone steps up their game a little bit because they want to make that sale so it's just it seems like some new and cool products 
are coming out that I really hadn't seen before. And people just cool stuff gets highlighted. I love innovation. So I like, I like window shopping, you know, I like window shopping, the social media gift guides. And so, yeah, the advent calendars are definitely up there for me. I've been seeing a lot of amazing recipes for um, cannabis infused cocktails. I think that's going to be really hot this winter. Um, you know, ciders with some CBD drops and haven't seen any specific flavorings uh, that you can buy, but I've been seeing ones you can make yourself. Uh, cool glassware. Uh, what I haven't seen too much of though is strain recommendations yet, but it's still early. Um, sure. Because since this, this episode will be out in time, but we're recording a couple weeks early here. So it hasn't quite gone mainstream yet with the holiday weed strains to try. So I, I made a mini list of my picks. Yeah, I want to hear them. But now I feel like they're shitty because horchata sounds like amazing. No, these are great. And also, let's be real. Hey, people are all over the place. They're going to get what they can grab, especially, you know, short notice the holidays. So I, keep an eye out for these in the cold winter months and um, good luck to you. I looked okay, for vanilla frosting for like two years before I finally found like a decent representation of it. I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. I'm just, I think I'm I'm really jealous right now of- uh, <laughs> All the more reason for, for us to like book you another trip to the States. Ah, ah, so jelly. Okay, so I did mention Snow Dog, AKA Super Snow Dog earlier in um so that's like a nice okay it has the word snow so that was number one i just thought that was funny um <laughs> number two i did find a strain called christmas cookies Ooh, it okay it. it's very marketing um and it's a sativa that's actually what i thought was interesting mm. if you look at different um if you like kind of Google to search around different strains, it seemed like a lot of the Christmas themed ones were sativas, which I found kind of, well, that was just the opposite of what I thought it would be. Um, and what's nice about Christmas cookies is it has a pining rich profile. And for us canon nerds, you want to show up at a holiday party and advertise that it's Pining Ranch. I feel like that is a fucking vibe. So that's yes. actually cool. I like that a lot. Yes. Although it is cookies fam, you know, we're saying 2023, we're over cookies. So this is your last chance here to uh, enjoy <laughs> it before it's passe. It's the blue dream uh, next year, right? Um, and then third on my list, doesn't have a Christmas themed name, but it's a dosi punch. And this is another pining dominant strain. Um, interestingly, it's a cross of Dosi Doe and Purple Punch. And what I liked about it is that it was last year's, Dosi Doe was last year's kind of leafly strain of the year, which mm -hmm. I thought was well deserved. It's a fantastic strain. So the combination of the two feels very end of 2022 vibes for me. Um, yeah, no, I like that. Uh, energetics are known to be more relaxing, which to me is more in the happy, relaxed to me feels like a, a holiday energy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, I was uh, making this huge chart this couple years ago of uh, terpenes and their effects for a client, right? And they were trying to ask how could something be um, both relaxing and energizing? 
right? And I, I think that's kind of like the perfect thing that you were just saying, like, oh, that, that relaxed feeling where you're like, it's after work. I have no stress because I've been smoking this uh, dosy punch or whatever. And, um, but I'm not like sinking into the couch. I'm like up, I'm dancing, let's get the music going, let's make dinner. It can be a whole thing where um, you can experience both of those effects, right? Yes, and I really attribute any confusion about that concept to a lack of common language in mm -hmm. the cannabis industry when describing effects. Uh, and we, I think we've talked about this before, but it's not, um, uh, we've talked about this before in terms of aromatics being a constellation, but also the effects being a constellation, whereas the industry is always drawing a straight line and on one side is relaxing and sedative and on the other side is stimulating. And I always use cheerful as an example because strains can be cheerful, mm -hmm. which is not stimulating nor relaxing, but somewhere fun in the middle. It exists in this other plane that there are so many energies and emotions we experience. So to me, that's where those two worlds can can combine and be different things. We just haven't developed the language around it enough to really put words to these feelings we get. Oh yeah, and and that is also, um, I mean, you cannot fault people for trying to sell an experience, especially since that's what cannabis is in many ways. It does kind of suck when they're like, okay, it's one of these three jars. You're either going to feel happy or sleepy or somewhere in between. It's like, that's not what makes weed so great. What makes it so great is you can get all of these like crazy specific things outside of the set and setting you are in, which is why it makes like, uh, it's such a, a kind of hard to describe the experience and I think you actually do it a disservice when you just say like, here you go, happy munchies, and then hand somebody a strain because maybe they'll experience those things, but that's really like one noting or, or two noting something that is like a whole bouquet uh, of experiences you might be expecting. Exactly. And this is why I love when we talk about perfumery, aromatics, in this podcast and in relation to cannabis, because when a perfume says it feels like a warm mitten, there's no expectation that that's what you're gonna feel like. <laughs> but for some reason, the cannabis industry <laughs> is so scared to describe something because it might not happen, but it's like no other aromatic industry is like, you will feel this because we said so. It's like, you're allowed to use words to describe things, especially the line is drawn in cannabis when we're talking about unresearched therapeutic effects in terms of when we're pain management, headaches, you know, it's, we can't Absolutely. reference medical things without backing it up with scientific research, anecdotal evidence, person to person, folk medicine, you know, blends these traditions a little bit and blends into cannabis in that way. But energetically selling the vibe is like, is fun. And we can be like, you know, we're going to feel cool. <laughs> it's going to make you feel cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, Hey, you're going to walk into a cloud made of cream soda. Okay. 
I, I want to do that on a Saturday afternoon, right? And I know if I read that on the tin, I'm not going to literally walk into a cloud of cream soda, although I would pay a hefty premium to do that as well. Yeah, see, if there's other drugs that may list that side effect and mm. it might actually happen, uh, a psychedelic family, but this is not what we're talking about here. So yeah, I think that's where, um, you know, perfumery is really an influence for me when I'm doing research and when I'm thinking about aromatics. I mean, it just, it really makes sense uh, that that as another luxury item that is plant-based, right? And it's going to be, it's somewhere between wine and perfume, I think weed falls because wine is our nice flavor, perfume is our aromatics. We're putting the two together, we're meeting in the middle. Um, and so, you know, even when we talk about uh, cannabis sommeliers, terroir, ap ap just designating appellations, uh, perfume comes from certain regions, wine comes from certain regions. And I, I just think we're right in the middle if we must we are, draw, yeah. that would be the line between those yeah. two things. And we're we're thankfully closer to the natural wines, right? Where, hey, we took the product, we put it in this bottle. It was a product of its environment. We let it do its own thing. And here you go. You get to experience what that is. Very cool. Cannabis is right in there, right? Perfume is a little bit more, especially now. Um, okay, we have all of these different constituents. We're going to combine them in a way that uh, evokes a feeling or um, can can you know really give you something very specific and and make you feel a certain way. Uh, and and that's kind of where cannabis is going. You know, the more it gets separated into its little individual parts, um, the more we're seeing them combined in interesting ways. Um, Right now, I'm I'm so happy to be here post-harvest, enjoying the fruits of Oregon's best farmers, both rec and uh, traditional market. It's an amazing place to be. Uh, but I do see a future where somebody has isolated pugilone, like I have here, and I'm popping that open. And it, this is a, a terpene that is found in cannabis. Um, it smells entirely like the coolest, coldest, peppermint that you've stuck in your mouth with a hint of foresty musk, I guess. So it's incredibly cooling. It's got a, a really nice, uh, like wintry vibe to it. Um, but you get a little too close and it's like manure. Uh, so it's, it is fun. I, I think that there's probably a lot of utility here. Uh, I think that you can take these like minor terpenoids like pugilone and neuralidol and and do a lot of really fun things with it that you don't get the option to do when it's in flower form um so yeah when you say we're between wine and perfume like exactly like that's where we are and i think that's what makes these conversations kind of important because though people in perfume have been having them for a long time this is probably the first time some of this stuff has been talked about in relation to cannabis exactly yeah, exactly. I want to hear more about this pugilone. <laughs> you know what? It is, it is totally worth getting into. And I mean, I've basically like shared everything I know about it. I know that it's found in cannabis. I have um, smoked some really pepperminty, minty strains. I don't know if this is a conversation you and I had, um, but uh, when I was working with the Fidus family farms here, they were doing um, a lot of um, crosses from 
uh, exotic mic. And one of the whole lines of Black Mamba had really interesting um, phenotypic expressions that were entirely minty. In the jar, we would just, or in the shop, we would just crack the jar and put it in someone's face and they would go like, oh, mint, whoa. Um, that herb in the end wasn't very desirable because it had these super long trichome stalks um, that, uh, you know, kind of contribute to like the char and also, I feel like that mintiness contributed to like a throat kick that was not very desirable. So mm -hmm. when you had the jar in front of your face, it was really interesting. It was like, whoa, I'll take some of that. I've never smelled that before. But then actually getting, I was going to say to your car, getting home and throwing a joint and smoking, you were like, ah, you know what? This isn't my favorite. I'm not going back for this. Um, so yeah, those weren't kept in rotation, but they were like a, a kind of a fun freak show interesting oh that's a that's another hashtag cannabis cruelty that's horrible you you think it's gonna be something and you pump up these terps and you really get it growing and then it's like <clears throat> not quite there right and it's even harder to be like check this one out consumer oh it's interesting cool give me your money for it and then be like oh we can't keep selling that. You it's not good. Because <laughs> I swear one day they'll be selling strains in a dispensary where they're like, this one's just for smelling. It's not for smoking. You just smell it. Because like I see wingnut stuff down there. That people are selling um, pre-ground uh, weed in bags, um, which what are they calling it? There's a funny I'm having a hard time too. with that one. <laughs> There's a very specific name of what they're calling it. Unrolled like, joints. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't remember. I have to remember. Yeah, no, hey, but, some some clever marketing term. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's but it's ground. It's like pre-ground, and it's uh, and it's just ready to roll. I think it's called ready to roll. Maybe something like sure, that. Sure, that's that's as good of a name as you could give it, anyway. Right, and it's just one of those weird products that, to me, I'm like. It doesn't take that much effort. Also, like the industry isn't necessarily known for its weed not being dry. Like it's always dry. <laughs> Breaking it up, like I have never had a too wet problem buying legal weed. So like this just seems like a thing that didn't need to happen. But nonetheless, there it is for consumers ready to roll. At that point, why not just buy a pre-roll, really? Um, so there's that. So why not? One that you don't even smoke. I, we just for smelling, I'm for it. I don't know if anybody else is, but you could give me an entire advent calendar of weed <laughs> you're not supposed to smoke, but you can smell it and be like, oh, that's cool. Um, and I would, I would be for that. I'd be a little bummed. I'd probably try to still smoke some of it, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, like for science, I'm down to that's, try this I, mean, I know I would try to smoke it too. <laughs> yes. Uh, Decibel Farms here in Oregon, um, the guy, um, ha he basically said, oh, I've never made a dime selling cannabis. Like he spends all of his money just pheno hunting. It wow. is ridiculous. And he, he'll run something like three times to see how it does in the spring, how it does in the summer, how it does in, how it does in the fall. So you go to his farm and it is, it's the most variety you're ever going to smell. But also it has been curated in a way that it's like, it's not just random shit. It's like, okay, here's a bunch of really interesting runs crosses, right? And then here's some outliers 
where he was like, you got to smell this one. It smells like uh, sour melon patch kids or whatever. And you're like, and it's just this little runty little thing. And he's like, that's never going to go into production. But I basically bring everybody by it while they're here just to get their nose in it. And I, I totally get it because those were the things that like really excited me. And for this guy who like lives and breathes this every day, that excited him too, but not enough that it's like going to go into production and end up in jars and everyone is going to get a taste of it. So I get it. I kind of like that. It's a little more exclusive and, you know, that's, that's like a cool area of the industry to work in also to just be the pheno hunters. That's, there's so many you cool things that's that's amazing i would love to just travel around and try to find these like unique aromatics and you know really all over the world would be so fun yeah yeah and you know that's something that we i hope get to dig into in the future are okay what are the profiles of india that are most prevalent right uh, and and what about northern africa and all of these, like, um, the birthplaces of hash or places that have, like, insane hash production now. Like, I really wonder what sense they gravitate toward, especially since so much of that crop is, like, grown from seed and you sort of just get what you get. You know what I mean? Things have been selected over the years and I'm sure sort of bottleneck to a specific range of aromas. Um, and, and this is something we're working on now to have better communication tools so somebody in northern africa could give you a call in canada and give you like a relatively clear explanation of what they're smelling and smoking true and that actually would be a really fun series we should definitely look into this because not too long ago actually i think it was exactly a year ago i met someone at one of these cannabis events who's been growing I want to say in Jamaica, it's been a hot minute, but I'm pretty sure that's what they said. And um, he was talking about a terpene called hashin or hashishin. And yeah. it's one specific aromatic from hash production from that particular region. And yes. I had never heard of it. And I've heard little bits. I remember coming home and Googling it quite thoroughly and finding nothing. So maybe I'll give it another round. It's been a year. Things move, you know, it takes a little time to get the word out, but I had never heard of it and it just sounded so interesting. So that's something we wouldn't really find here because it's so region specific. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you'll have to um, correct me if we're talking about two different things, but uh, I know that there is a hashishine that we get from hash and I, I've seen people produce it in a lab from taking um, myrcene and exposing it to uh, really intense UV. Wow. So in, in the same way that you get these um, plants that are harvested in direct sunlight and maybe left in sunlight to dry, uh, a lot of times maybe we're seeing myrcene convert to hashishine in those instances. And then when you get that flower or the hash produced from that flower, it's got that really dense, oily, chocolatey almost to it that is making my mouth water right now wow um, that is really interesting yes that is really interesting you know i i saw temple balls on the shelf for the first time in a long time yesterday 
And um, I, I was just stopping into a dispensary basically to like get an eye on things. So I, I wasn't planning for it, but I think I might have to go back and get one because that sort of rolled out pressed Frenchy style hash um, yes. is just not something we find anymore. And I want to, I know we have to wrap up here because of time, um, but I think temperature is something that is worth diving into more in the future because temp light exposure, oxygen exposure, all of these change terpenes and they convert the hydrocarbons. And a lot of times the scents shift or change or become something entirely different. And that's something that we should definitely dig into in the future. Well, this is making me think back to when we talked about sunlight and fresh laundry and how mm, the yes. sunlight transmutes into that aromatic and this whole mercine transforming into hashishine it i'm things are coming together that's i'm gonna we're gonna get into this more in the future for sure cool well okay while we take time thinking about that getting into it for a future episode uh we're trying to feature uh pot spots smoking spots on the podcast and this week, I was hoping that you could provide us with one of your classic smoking spots uh, from your past or currently or whatever jumps out at you. Okay. I mean, currently, I, I smoke on my balcony. I don't have anything cool going on these days. <laughs> so I'm going to jump uh, in. Sounds like a pretty cool spot, Amanda. So I do have a nice view, but that would not be in my top smoking spots. Um, so I think one of my favorite smoking spots of all time is both a place and a people because Ooh. it involves some of my favorite people in the world. Um, and so me and my friends, Adam, Emma, and Nico lived in Oregon together. And we used to hotbox their Ford Festiva, which yeah. if you Google a Ford Festiva, it's like a clown car. It's a tiny little car, <laughs> and I swear you can fit like 10 people in it. Um, and when you get out, you got to fold down the front seats. One time the Ford Festiva got a flat tire. We just picked it up. It's just this like little tiny thing. <laughs> and so we would hotbox the Ford Festiva because we couldn't smoke inside where we were staying. Um, we couldn't, we didn't want to bug people by smoking in the backyard, like the neighbors, because it wasn't our house. Um, and so our best plan was to sit in the street in the Ford Festiva with the windows closed and, and hotbox it so that it wouldn't disturb the neighbors. But we would do this often. Like it was <laughs> at the time we thought it was subtle, but then you pop the doors and all the smoke comes out. Yes. We used to smoke really tough back then. Um, and me and these guys, we had a ton of really great smoking spots all over the Oregon coast. Manzanita Bay is another one um, mm. because you can smoke and then you can walk around and find cool pieces of driftwood, right? It's like a spot and an activity. Um, yes. The Grand Tree out there is another spot that we would go to and smoke. Um, and one time we were visiting someone and we found a secret door to an attic that they didn't know existed. They've lived there for like 15 years. And we found a secret attic in their um, in their house that we used to hotbox after that day. And so, wow. yeah, my smoking spot, I guess is loosely tied to Oregon, but um, these folks, Adam, shout out to Adam and Emma and Nico. Um, we were quite the crew and Adam and Emma taught me how to free bud. 
This is the last thing I'll say here. But free sure. I don't know what free budding is. You got to let me know. Yes. It's freaking awesome. Okay. It's <laughs> when you take like a thumb sized nug that's perfectly cured, not too dry, not too wet, nice moisture levels. Um, and you stick the stem of it in, you kind of make your pointer finger into a crook and you stick okay. it in the stem. So it's just being held by your pointer. And you just kind of, as if you're going to do like a whistle. Uh, you know, like a loon whistle, you put your hands together. Anyway, free budding. I'm trying to describe a thing that I'm doing with my hands to Ryan right now. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like watching it. So if you're just listening to this, then good luck to you. But yeah, no, you're, we're, we're figuring it out. Free budding is when you smoke weed without paper. So you basically light the nug like you're lighting sandalwood. You know, when you light sandalwood and you blow on the piece of wood to get the cherry going. So you just light the tip of the nug and you just put your hands around it and you just breathe. Um, so wow. we used to smoke weed without papers, which is one of the best ways to identify flavor profiles. Hands oh, down. Yeah. yeah, even trying to like find the papers that offer the least, like you're still tasting paper. So, okay, I'm, I'm with you. This is crazy, it's mind blowing. I'm gonna try it. Uh, you know, like forget the the farmers who just roll these big like hog legs with no filter and that's like farmer style. No, solar bowls using the sun to burn your weed, they're out. Now we're just busting nugs uh, out of the curing room and, and lighting them up in our bare hands. I'm Free with budding. you. Free budding, yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, well, hey, that's fantastic. I think that we did um, a nice job digging into winter scents and the things that kind of like connect to us for that. Um, you can find me. I'm at the loud 100 on Instagram. Uh, Amanda, tell us where we can find you. My Instagram is Emerald Temple Living, and we are looking for your smoking spots for future episodes we want to hear your favorite places to smoke and some fun stoner memories so make sure you send them in to our instagram which is the dot smoking spots and we love getting comments and stories from all of you guys yeah i i really do want to hear about all of the smoking spots really just go on the instagram hit the little like voice record, like you're chatting with us and lay something out there that's about a minute or so. And we would love to include it in the podcast. Cool, right on. Well, that's all the time we have today. Stick with us for next week and we should have more fun, fun, that word, uh, cannabis topics to get into. <laughs> <laughs> all right, see you all next week. Don't ever stop.